I'm Nicole Guthrie, one of the pastors here, and honored to be with you for a second week in a row. Um, happy Mother's Day to all of you. Um, and we've had a lot of fun with Mother's Day this morning. Um, but we all also want to recognize that Mother's Day can be hard for some people. And I have a little tribute to read to mothers um, from all stages, ages, um, and life circumstances. So here we go. Happy Mother's Day to, the, to those who gave birth this year to their first child. We celebrate you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make things harder. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your mother, we acknowledge your experience. To those who lived through driving tests, medical tests, and overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, Remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we journey with you. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet the dream is not yet to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier nest in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. To those who have placed children up for adoption, we commend you for your selfishness and remember um, how you hold your child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expectant and surprising, we anticipate with you. Happy Mother's Day. Pray with me. God, thank you that you gave us mothers. Thank you for that creation, Lord. And God, as we celebrate mothers all across the board, Lord, and we mourn and we sit and we journey and celebrate God, would you just infuse those holes in our hearts, God, where maybe we've missed the mark as mothers. God, thank you that you are complete in love to us. So, Lord, as I um, preach who you are this morning, um, would you open our hearts to hear what you have to say through the words, Lord? And, Lord, let things fall off that don't matter. We look to you in your name. Amen. So we are in a sermon series for the next now four weeks called We Can Do More Together. We're going to look at one word of this sentence more in depth on each um, week. So we are now at can. Um, last week we looked at we um, through the uh, book of Exodus, chapter 34. 
um, sorry, 32, and we saw there um, where the Israelites missed the mark in a half-truth. They missed the mark on serving the one true God. So we are looking together to um, throw down our idols and put God at the center of all that we do. Today we're looking at can. Moving through Exodus, I'm skipping chapter 33 and going into 34. Chapter 34 of Exodus is the theological center of the book. It's amazing. This is where we see God revealing who he is and what he's going to be known for, his reputation for all of the rest of the book and into today. See, this is where God is starting over with the people. We're the messing up, having sin, and God saying, this is who I'm going to be known as. The beginning of the book starts with God asking Moses to re-chisel out the Ten Commandments. Moses came down the mountain and he threw and broke them at the idol worship that the Israelites were having. God says, hey, tonight can you chisel out two new stones for the morning? And then can you carry them back up bright and early in the morning? You guys, this is the sixth time that Moses is climbing up the mountain for his people. It's great. I think about that, and this is what I think about. I think about him farmer carrying. Like, I don't know if I did this in CrossFit, and it was terrible. It was horrible. You're like farmer carrying these heavy weights, and you're walking. But not only is he walking, like, I, we, he's going up an incline, right? He's carrying these heavy chiseled things. And he probably stayed up all night. I can't imagine. I have no idea how to chisel rock, so I'm sure he did. But this is the main point, I think, that God's showing us in this text. He's saying, God is asking humans to endeavor with him, with friendship, into the recreation of the people. He's asking us to go along with him. That's amazing. He's asking us to journey with him. We see this in Exodus too, right? Where God says, hey, in creation, can you name these animals? He's integrating human endeavor and friendship in the creation of the people. So picking up now, and this is where I'm going to concentrate in verses 5 through 9. This is where God reveals who he is, who he's going to be known for, what his name is. God actually names himself. Up until this time, we only know God by his, what he's done for the people. So he's freed the people. He's provided for the people. He's um, given them safety. He's given them provision of all types of things. And this is where God says, this is who I'm going to be known as. He's naming it for himself. So here the word of the Lord. Then the Lord came down in a cloud and stood there with him, stood with Moses, and proclaimed his name, Yahweh. Or translated, we say, the Lord. He passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, Lord, Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to a thousands, and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of their parents. To the third and the fourth generation. Moses bowed to the ground at once in worship. Lord, he said, if I have found favor in your eyes, then let the Lord go with us. Although this stiff-necked people forgive the wickedness and our sin and take us as your inheritance. 
See, when I read this, I am just like, I'm mind blown. I wrote in my Bible, this is who the Lord is. In chapter 33, Moses asked to see God's glory, physical glory, and God said he would. In the beginning of chapter, or I'm sorry, verse 5, this is where we see the Lord making good on his promise there. It says that he showed his physical glory, he came down on a cloud. But when we read this, that's not what we concentrate on. We don't look and see, oh, that's, that's the main point of God's manifest physical glory with Moses. Now, don't get me wrong, man, it would be amazing if God showed up here in the cloud. If he was right in front of us, I think I might throw up. But it would be phenomenal. But see, the concentration here is the relationship with God. He's showing us something else. He's showing us how his glory was not only found in the visible manifestation, but rather in the relationship that proclaims his name. The focus here is how his glory is found in our relationship with God. We see God's glory through, the, through being in relationship with him. The world sees God's glory when we reflect him. This is why our relationship with God should be the most important single thing in our entire life. I mean, we have the opportunity to reflect his glory to the world. Isn't that amazing? Here's the main takeaway for today. We can reflect his glory. What an honor to use human endeavor and friendship to reflect his glory. The rest of the time I'm going to spend is going through each characteristic God says he is and how that relates for us knowing who God is. See, in order to reflect his glory, we need to know who God is. And God says who he is. So the first one he says, he says, I am a compassionate. The God is compassionate. The Hebrew word for compassionate is the same root word as womb. Rakem. It means to be soft like a womb, illustrated by the soft compassion of a mother for her child in the womb. God's compassion is compared to a womb of a pregnant mother. Now, if you've ever been pregnant, which half of this room maybe has, you know that they suck everything out of you. <laughs> Right? They do. Like, you get sick, that baby doesn't get sick. All of your nutrients go to, go to the baby. You gain a ton of weight. Well, if some people do. You birth. I mean, you give everything to this infant. And not by your brain saying it's just an automatic thing. See, God's compassion is sacrifice. He gives everything to it. We see Jesus being moved in ministry through compassion, by healing, feeding, and care. And oftentimes, most of the time, Jesus has moved compassion with the least and the most vulnerable in the society. See, we can reflect compassion. When we reflect compassion to others, when we are in relationship with Jesus, without him, we're going to fail. To reflect compassion is to reflect the goodness of God, 
We sang about that. His glory then shining through our relationship with him. The next one God said is he is gracious. Grace means he's generous, giving freely, without anything in return. Most oftentimes I find myself gracious personally is when I'm giving to my children and they don't obey me all the time. <laughs> okay, here you go. You want a sandwich? No, you don't want a sandwich. Fine. You want chicken nuggets? Okay. It's just all the time we're giving, we're gracious in this. I don't want a sandwich. I want chicken nuggets. Okay. Oh my gosh. Let me give it to you. I'm getting nothing in return besides draining money. It's fine. We can be gracious. To reflect being gracious is reflecting the goodness of God. His glory shining through our relationship with him. The next thing the Lord says is that he is slow to anger. And he models this by being slow and delaying with the people after the, after the idol worship with the golden calf. God's anger is always in response to sin. I'm going to say that again. God's anger is always in response to sin, not the human. Especially when people destroy God's beloved creation or when it involves self-destructive sinful actions. The fact is that God says he's going to temper his righteous anger until a later day. And we know this judgment of sin is coming. Here's Romans 2, 5. But because you are stubborn and you refuse to turn from your sin, you are storing up terrible punishment for yourself. For a day of anger is coming when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. Now see, being God's people, we are forgiven. And through the power of Christ, we get to turn. And we get to be people full of Jesus' character. Therefore, we can be slow to anger. To reflect being slow to anger is reflecting the goodness of God shining through our relationship with him. The next, Lord sa- the next thing the Lord says is he's abounding in love. We mess this up all the time. Like, we don't understand as humans what love is because we, fail. we fall short all the time. In Hebrew, it's called keshed. It means God is the loving one. See, God made love. God is love. Sometimes we project what we think of love or how we love unto God, and it's just not right. Because God is love. Like, there, there is no other definition besides love is God. So we can reflect, with God's help, Keshed love. When we reflect love, we're reflecting the goodness of God. His glory shining through our relationship with him. The next thing the Lord says is that he is abounding in faithfulness. Faithfulness, here it means being true or truth. It means that he's completely reliable and trustworthy. See, this was central to the Israelites in their foundation of the Lord's law. It was their source of life his faithfulness to them. There's a reliability with God's love and his law, both and. So we, through God, can reflect his faithfulness. To reflect faithfulness through a life, living a life truthful, 
That's when we reflect the goodness of God. His glory shining through our relationship with him. The next thing the Lord says is that he maintains love to a thousand generations. God protects and guards and maintains his love for us forever. This is the only phrase of love that's repeated in the entire reveal. So this must be important to God. God is protecting and loving us forever. Therefore, we can reflect love to everyone. To reflect love to all is reflecting the goodness of God, his glory shining through our relationship with him. God now goes in and talks, and talks about what's he going to do with sin. And this is the turning point right here. God says he is a for, he's a forgiving God. He forgives wickedness, rebellion, and sin. We have to understand this to understand our relationship with God. God is a forgiving God. There's been no other God, still is no other God, that is a forgiving God. This is the God we worship. The Lord uses three major words for sin, wickedness, rebellion, and sin, because he's showing that he forgives every kind of sin. But being forgiven of sin doesn't mean that we didn't commit the sin. It means that God's grace, love, and faithfulness restores our personhood to God. Therefore, we can forgive. To reflect forgiveness is reflecting the goodness of God. His glory shining through our relationship with him. He then says, yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. God's revealing his relationship to sinners in general here. Even in the context of forgiveness, sin is a sin. God forgives it, it's a gift. But there still are consequences of sin. And there's an ongoing negative impact because of it. So we can realize the seriousness of sin. To realize the seriousness of sin is reflecting the goodness of God, working to remain free from sin and serving God and God alone. This is shining God's glory through our relationship with him. He then says he punishes the children and their children and the sin of the fathers to the third and fourth generations. And when I read this, I'm like, what? This isn't saying that God's adding punishment to the sin. He's just saying that there is impact for the wickedness. And we see this on our families and within our community. So we can't take lightly. This is serious. It's so serious, in fact, that God sent his son for atonement for us. We can be freed from sin. To reflect being free is turning from sin in order for our future generations to be free. Amen? Both for the individuals, but also for the systematic sin that we see. This is reflecting the goodness of God, his glory shining through our relationship with him. And this is the part, that's my favorite part. Moses' response to God revealing who he was was this. He says, Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. Moses immediately bows down 
at the reveal of who God is and the offer of forgiveness that God is giving. It's in worship that he repeats the Lord's promise as a petition. Moses is asking again for forgiveness of the idol worship. And God's immediate re, re, um, re implied response is, yes, I will. And that's the same for us today. It's in this that we can, we must, we get to live a life postured in worship. To reflect a life in posture of worship is reflecting the goodness of God, his glory shining through our relationship with him. See, we worship a God for who he is. This is a compassionate God, a gracious God, a loving God, a faithful and true God, a just God, a God who wants us to be freed from sin in order to be under his authority and his authority alone. Not the authority that we give sin in our lives. You see, Moses, he does reflect his glory on his face. But he reflects that glory when he goes into the tent where God is. He reflects the glory on his face when he spends time in the Lord's presence. When we spend time with the Lord, we also reflect his glory. To see God's glory is to be in his presence. To be in his presence is through a friendship with God, this human endeavor. In this friendship, we start to carry his presence with us. The glory of God is then displayed for all those who encounter us. God's glory is meant to be shared, not kept for ourselves. But it all starts in this relationship level with God. Because that's there what we can have relationship with God. I'm going to tell a story of how I really screwed this up this week, so forgive me. About three weeks ago, I went to Family Tree Nursery because every year for Mother's Day, I get the biggest basket I can find there, hanging basket. And I put it by my kitchen window where my sink is, and, I, and it's there all summer, and I watch it bloom, and it's just it brings little happiness to my heart. <laughs> At work one day, my husband sent me a picture. It's right there. You can see that bird sitting on top of that basket. You know what he was doing? He was scouting where to put his nest in my basket. <laughs> and I was so, like, frustrated with this. I was like, literally, how am I going to water this thing now with someone's babies in it? <laughs> I was texting friends, and they're like, you know, they're going to poop all over your window. And I'm like, I know! I was just so frustrated. I'm like, can I move the nest? Can I just move it? And I thought, well, maybe it's going to find somewhere else, because I'm literally where it was looking was right where the window is where I'm washing the dishes. Like, I look eye to eye with that bird. Right there. No, I went out, and there's the nest in my basket. And I looked at that thing, and I was like, there's cotton in there. And I thought, where does a bird find cotton? I was just like, what in the world? And then I have three cats. And I was like, no, this thing is not, is not going to stay there. 
And a friend asked me, hey, is the bird coming back to the nest? I was like, I don't think so. There ain't no egg. And I thought, well, maybe I'll check. It was the next day. The next day, here's the next slide. One egg. I was, so, I was like, no. And they're like, well, maybe it won't come back. Maybe it won't come back. And I was like, yeah, maybe. So the next morning, this happened. Three eggs. <laughs> I was like, why? And I literally was talking to the Lord about this. I was like, this is my basket. <laughs> why do I have to share my basket with a bird? And the babies. And I just very, very nudgely felt, I think you're asking the wrong question. The question is, why do, why is this bird choosing to nest right in front of my window for me to see all season? And I thought about that nest and that cotton, and I thought about God's creation and I was like, oh, jeez, forgive me, God. This bird is reflecting God's glory. Creation reflects the glory of God. God cares so much about these little eggs that he chose my basket. And for me to water so gently around those birds, he cared so much that that bird found some to make them so cuddly. I get to watch these birds grow and that mother sacrifice and sit on those eggs. Because I'm telling you, we're going to become friends because every time I go to wash my dishes, she flies out and it scares me every time. And I'm like, oh, I know, it's right there. But the bird could have chose to be on the other side of the basket where I can't see it. But it chose to be right there. And now I'm going to think about that bird and those babies chirping the whole time and know that these birds are reflecting God's glory. And it's going to be a reminder to me to worship God for who he is. I was having another conversation with a friend and, you know, I'm just really distraught about all the division that's happening in our world, and even in our congregation. And through this conversation, I realized maybe what's happening isn't really the thing that matters. What matters is, are we showing Keshed love to someone that we don't agree with? Or someone that thinks differently than we do? Or someone that has a different stance on something that we have? See, I think when we get to heaven, God's not going to be like, so... Did you wear your mask? Did you not wear your mask? Did you get vaccinated? Did you not get vaccinated? God's going to say, how well did you love those that think differently than you? How well did you love the birds? How well did you love my creation? How well did you love my creation, the people that I've made? I think that's where God is challenging me and all of us, his body, of how well are you going to love in the midst of a really divisive time? Because that's God's glory shining through. Daniel's going to come up, and we're going to worship like Moses did. Right, Daniel? That's right. Because of the goodness of God and who he is. 
and I'm going to work, and you guys are going to keep me accountable to love these birds. <laughs> God, thank you for your creation. Thank you that we are created in your image, God. God, I just pray that we would represent you, Lord. Your glory would shine through us, God. Thank you for being a forgiving God, a compassionate God, a God slow to anger. God, work in us where we need to love one another better. We look to you.